Saturday morning. I'm Tom Esserook, and welcome to The Joy of Gardening. It is February, and uh, we're going to be talking a whole lot about pruning, hydrangeas. Uh, let's face it, Valentine's Day is coming up, so all you guys got to get out there and take care of your wives and significant others. And uh, Portland Flower Show is coming up, so, uh, you know, the end of February and March is really kind of that time when we're going to go ahead and start getting ready for spring. Just to give you a little heads up of what's been going on at Estabrooks, uh, all the pansies are transplanted. They're in the greenhouse. They're growing by the minute. And uh, we've also added uh, a bunch of primrose. Uh, there's hanging baskets started. Uh, so things are really starting to heat up in the greenhouse. And we're, we're looking forward to spring. Mother Nature is kind of cooperating to an extent, I guess. But March will be here. We're over 10 hours of daylight now. 10 hours. Can you believe that? Once That's kind of a magical number for, for me. Uh, once we hit 10 hours, my mood changes. My whole thought about spring kind of perks up. Snow banks are starting to melt even on cold days. So now's the time to start thinking about spring. I know it's only February, but the better you plan now, the better we're going to go ahead and get ready for spring. So um, we're going to talk a little bit, though. We're going to talk about pruning, and we've got some questions from some folks about pruning and and late winter pruning or early spring pruning. Um, We've got a question from Jackie in Kennebunk. What plants, shrubs benefit from early, late spring pruning? Are there guidelines for pruning? Um, there's all kinds of guidelines, unfortunately. Um, but my general guideline for pruning is when does the plant bloom? If the plant blooms after the 4th of July, probably spring pruning is fine, meaning you can prune it any time late fall up until probably about, oh, early May. So, say your paniculata hydrangeas, you know, Rose of Sharon's, stuff like that, uh, Spirea, um, there are all types of things. But when you think about what not to prune is anything that blooms from April all the way till the 4th of July. So, the likelihood is you've set your flower buds in the summer or fall. So, say a lilac. If you go ahead and prune that in the spring, you're taking all those spring buds off. You know, forsythia, quince, all those early blooming plants, you want to go ahead and wait until just after they're done blooming. Rhododendrons would be another one, azaleas. So all those spring blooming plants, you want to be cautious about pruning early spring. Sometimes we have to prune. Sometimes there's going to be construction. Sometimes just the plant is out of control. And we go in and we sacrifice the blossoms. So if you need to prune a plant, it, it's just going to take the, the blossoms away. It's just going to take the flower buds. So, you know, say you've got a rhododendron that is extremely overgrown and you really need to go in and prune aggressively. Well, we're going to have to sacrifice those blossoms to do so. But that's okay. It gives us a much longer season to put on growth. It gives us a much better scenario for shaping the plant throughout the season. So I guess the best time to prune a plant is when the pruners are sharp. 
that's all that's my my take on it is sometimes sacrificing the bloom is the best thing for the plant anytime you prune the best situation is to make sure and go ahead and treat that plant the best you can after you prune it now if you prune late fall we're not going to fertilize but we might give a couple extra waterings but if you prune any time basically from april all the way up to i'd say about the first of august Right after we prune, we're going to go ahead and fertilize that plant. We're going to go ahead and water that plant. We're going to treat it the nicest we possibly can. And because it's got such a nice big root system, it's going to put on a lot of growth if we give it the tools to do so. So by doing all of these things, you're going to rebound the plant. You're going to get more flowers the following year. Everything's going to kind of come together. A lot of people prune and then they just forget the plant. They're like, oh, it'll kind of do its thing and whatnot. But if you go in there, especially in, in, you know, July, August, when it's really warm, and give a couple extra waterings on an established plant, give a little bit more fertilizer, it's going to bounce back. It's going to look that much better, and you're going to get more flower buds the following year. So, Jackie, I hope that helps with your question. If you want specifics on specific plants, certainly always you can email us and submit a question on a specific plant. It's very tough to give an answer broad-based like that, but the general rule of thumb, again, is if it blooms before July 4th, then you can go ahead and prune it early spring um, or late winter, whichever you prefer, main kind of depending on the week. It might be winter, it might be spring, we're not sure. But that's the general rule of thumb. Um, We'll talk more in the fall also about fall pruning and which plants to do. Along the way, we'll also give you information, you know, when specific plants should be pruned. Another question comes in from Marianne in Portland. Um, Can you speak about pruning practices on climbing roses? When should this be done and how much? Well, it kind of, again, it depends on how big your rose is. Um, It depends on the variety. Some varieties are much hardier than others. Um, If you have something like William Baffin, it's it's what I would call a hardy climber. It really survives our main winters well, so you can leave it up all season, all winter, and it's going to leaf out quite well almost all the way to the tips. With roses, it's it's kind of a, a special circumstance. Depending on the variety, you may have to take the climbing rose down and actually protect it. Um, so you'll take it down off that trellis, whatnot, lay it on the ground, probably mulch it over. We don't sell a lot of those varieties anymore due to the fact that they don't do well for folks here in Maine. Along the coast here, we can get away with roses quite well, um, especially climbing roses. But as you move inland, it's much tougher. The best time to prune roses, I always like to prune roses in the spring, whenever possible. You can kind of nip and tuck them back in the fall and protect them, but with all the new hardy varieties of roses that we're selling now, it's important not to kind of wound them in the fall. Um, I find they winter over much better if we don't prune on them really hard in the fall. Let Mother Nature do their thing over the winter, and then in the spring when they start to leaf out, That's when you can kind of tell what you need to prune and what you don't. So you might have a few branches that die. You might have a few branches that have been broken by snow or ice. Um, And you may need to shape the plant into a nice round shape so that it will flush out and have a nice, nice habit and form for the rest of the season. Pruning roses, 
Always important to kind of stay up on that throughout the season, help promote more blossom. So don't hesitate to keep the pruner sharp and keep going. And the second part to your question was, what's the best treatment for black spot on roses? Well, black spot's something that, you know, you have to be proactive with. Um, it's really important to kind of use a, a general fungicide, um, something like copper sulfate works quite well. There are multiple products on the market now that are systemic also that you can put in the soil and will actually go into the plant. Another thing that's really important is the variety choice in which you make when, you, when you're when you planting roses. A lot of the old-fashioned roses are quite susceptible to black spot. So if you're looking for grandma's rose, you know, it, it may have a lot of black spot and powdery mildew problems. Uh, some of the new ones, like the Knockout Series, the Easy Elegance Series, you know, Home Run is another one that's beautiful. It's a nice red. They're very resistant to black spot. We don't see a ton of problems in the nursery, and we're running overhead irrigation on them to water them every night. In the garden, it's extremely important that you give good airspace around your roses. So if you have a lot of perennials or other shrubs up close to your climbing roses, that's going to create a lot of moisture and, and pest problems and, and disease problems because you just don't have enough airflow. So if if you have your rose climbing up a building, it'd be better to put it on a trellis about four to six inches off the house so there's nice airflow behind. Um, and then pruning to thin out some of the branches so that you can see a little bit more of that trellis and also give a little more airflow. So that might help with the black spot also. So pruning, all kinds of questions, keep them coming. Visit estabrooksonline.com backslash radio to submit your questions. Nice little form there to fill out and going to give us a really great avenue to get some wonderful answers back to you. Um, So keep those questions coming. We've got a whole bunch of them. Uh, We're going to take a break and be back with more of the joy of gardening on News Talk WLOB. Arthritis alert! Arthritis alert! Now, there's a pain-killing cream that reduces arthritis pain on contact. It's called Pain Buster 2. Pain Buster 2 has a rare combination of pain-killing powerhouses to provide deep, penetrating heat to joints and muscles that need it most to help relieve stiffness and improve mobility. Arthritis pain sufferers will be amazed at the way Pain Buster 2 could help them live normal and active lives. Arthritis alert! Arthritis alert! Pain Buster 2 is now available at CVS, Walmart, and Walgreens everywhere. Today, nearly half our nation's fighting forces are members of the Guard and Reserve. When they are called to active duty, they leave behind a family, a community, and a job. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, a Department of Defense agency, honors and protects the bond between service members and their civilian employers. Whether serving our country or supporting those who do, we all serve. To learn more about ESGR, call 1-800-336-4590 or visit esgr.mil. MainNewSimply.com wants to celebrate the businesses that make Maine great. Businesses like yours. We're looking for innovative, interesting companies to feature on the Mimic Spotlight on Business. Simply log on to MainNewSimply.com and look for the link to share your company's unique story. MainNewSimply.com delivers headlines from over 50 of Maine's most respected news sources. The Mimic Spotlight on Business is a business profile series co-sponsored by Vero Dana and Time Warner. Free, concise, timely. MainNewSimply.com, the easiest way to stay on top of the business news that matters in Maine. Welcome back. 
to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're answering questions submitted on our website today. And uh, we're going to talk hydrangeas. Such a big, big variety in here in Maine. Nothing better than a hydrangea blooming in summer. Doesn't matter if you're on the coast or you're up at Sunday River or Sugarloaf or, or in the mountains at your camp. Hydrangeas give us such a long, long, long bloom time. Some of the first hydrangeas now start blooming around the 4th of July to mid-July with with just a myriad of, of different varieties. Too many sometimes for us in the nursery industry to carry all of them um, and more new varieties coming every day. But what I will say is it's such a huge staple in, in our gardens. With so many varieties, now we can have a hydrangea in bloom from that mid-July all the way till October. So everything from pinks to blues to bicolors to whites, you name it, it will fill a huge void of color. Summer is always a tough time in Maine gardens. We're so strong on the spring blooming plants. You know, we've got just so many lilacs and persithia and quince and and all these things. But by the time we get to summer, you know, the roses are doing their things, but they can be somewhat short-term. Hydrangeas are just a great backbone and backdrop plant for us. And, And we really have two different types. There's the paniculata hydrangeas. Well, actually, I should say three. There's paniculata which are your old-fashioned, like your PG hydrangeas. You see them around all the old farmhouses in tree form and shrub form. Big growers, big arching habits. Um, You've got the blue hydrangeas or pink hydrangeas, the mop head hydrangeas uh, or the macrophylla types, which we see primarily along the coast. Um, You know, a a whole bunch of beautiful ones down in the Kennebunk Kennebunk Port area. Um, Best known for on Cape Cod. You know, everybody goes and visits Cape Cod and comes back, oh, I got to have the blue hydrangea. Oh, I got to have it. I got to have it, you know. And then we've got climbing hydrangea, which is just one variety. Well, we've got a couple varieties, I should say. There's there's a couple climbing hydrangeas. Also one that's been around and is a great vine for winter interest, wonderful bark, and also has a great flower, does everything from shade to full sun. Nice way to use climbing hydrangeas is also put one at the base of a stone wall or a fence and grow it down the fence. Um, or put it on a nice building or a tree and let it grow up the tree. So there's many different ways you can use hydrangeas. We're going to kind of talk a little bit about tree hydrangeas to start because this is a a question that every year, year in and year out, we get questions on. I I want that tree hydrangea. And you want to buy a tree hydrangea all pruned in tree form to start. And, you know, these old big old ones that you see around the farmhouses are kind of limbed up in their multi-shrub kind of look. But the way we sell them in the garden center is already pruned in tree form. It's the same plant that you buy in shrub form, that multi-stem plant in a pot. It's the same exact plant, just one's pruned into a tree and one is left and pruned into a shrub. So it's the same plant. You can go ahead and get them in tree form and shrub form for the most part. Not all new varieties are available in tree form yet uh, just because there's so many varieties coming on the market. But I've got a question from Isabel in Casco, and her question is hydrangea trees. What kind of care food-wise and how often? Good question. Hydrangeas are one of those things that it, de- it kind of depends on the variety to an extent. 
You're talking tree hydrangeas, so we're talking about the paniculata types. Um, very hardy, tough plant. It all depends on how much growth you're looking to get, how, how dark you want the foliage. But a general rule of thumb is probably a couple times a year, probably sometime in April or early May, and then probably again in like six weeks. So depending on when you first fertilize, let's just say May 1st. So if you do it May 1st, we're going to do it mid-June again. That's right in the heart of the growing season for hydrangeas. It's before they've set their flower buds, and it will set them up for good flowering all the way into fall. The later you fertilize, the more likely is you're going to be pushing those blossoms, and the plant may go by quicker. So that's why I like to fertilize earlier, and then we can fertilize late, late fall if we want to, say, late October, early November as a dormant feed, but it's not necessary. One thing about panicular hydrangeas is I don't like to prune them in the fall. I like that big old flower head that dries, it stays on all winter, gives the birds something to, to peck at and kind of play with, gives you some nice winter interest. Um, you may prune them off if you're going to dry them to bring them inside, but I like to leave them out on the plant. On a tree form, though, you have to be careful about snow and ice. So if you do tend to get a fair amount of ice, you may want to prune them off just so the tree doesn't break, especially as a young plant. Or be very cautious and mindful as if, oh, we're going to get a big ice storm. You might go out and prune them off midwinter. But I always like to prune mine first thing in the spring. So now would be a great time. We talked about pruning earlier. Uh, you could go ahead out there and shape that plant right now. I typically take about 18 inches off of mine and shape it into a nice ball. It looks a little lollipop-like when I prune it this time of year, which I'm not a big person. Anybody who knows me, I don't like real tight formed plants. So that's why I like to do it this time of year because I don't have to look at it for a long extended period of time. I get to look at it chopped up for a very short period of time and then it flushes out and it starts to put on its nice big branches, get its arching habit. And, you know, from there, I don't have to look at a nice round plant. So that will promote more branching. It will promote more flowers come the summer and fall. But again, fertilization, we're talking, you know, May and probably sometime in June, and then we're probably done. Um, you might push it into the 4th of July, but after that, I would probably slow up on the fertilizer. Good organic fertilizer like plant tone or tree tone, depending on the size of the plant. Tree tone for a bigger plant, um, plant tone for a smaller plant. Very similar fertilizer. The difference is potency. Uh, with tree tone, it's a little bit more hot, so it's got a little more nitrogen. I put on a little more growth with a big plant. You have to use a little less product. Plant tone, a little bit more muted, but good for so many different things. Second part to your question is long-lasting flowering plants for shade in well-drained areas. So well-drained, I would take that as really sandy soil, areas that, that don't get a lot of moisture. The key to success in that is July and August. You're going to have to supplemental water on almost anything. Uh, hostas are going to do fine. Um, I would stay away from the stillbees. But there's many ground covers, too, you might look at. You know, you might look at some of the Venka vine. You might look at some of the Pachysandras. Um, they're quite tolerant, and they actually prefer a well-drained soil to spread. So a lot of ground covers, like even some ivies, uh, the key is July and August. 
on any well-drained soil is the hottest time you might once a week have to go out and water regardless. Just because if, if it dries out to the point of, of powder or dust, there's just no way to get that plant to thrive. So those would be some choices. And certainly visit our website at estherbrooksonline.com. There's a bunch of lists there of different plants. Or just come on into the garden center and ask us. It's a lot easier to show you all those different choices in the ground covers and, and shade plants that will thrive in that shady, dry area. But stay away from a stilby. They, they're a moisture lover. Isabel, thank you for the question. And we're going to talk a little bit more about hydrangeas when we come back. We're going to talk blue hydrangeas, the infamous blue hydrangeas. A hundred questions about blue hydrangeas every single year. We'll try to knock some of them out today. We'll be talking about it a lot more along the way. Uh, You're listening to News Talk, WLOB, 1310 AM, and I'm Tom Estbrook. We'll be right back. Round three. If a train leaves Spokane... Schenectady by Saturday. Correct. March comes before May. What's in my left pocket? Hmm. Half a mint and a rusty switchblade. Correct. Bam. Who lets you watch TV episodes and movies instantly over the internet? Ha <laughs> ha, Netflix. Correct. <laughs> watch unlimited TV episodes and movies for only eight bucks a month from Netflix. See terms of use. That is red. I know. Can you put me down now? Sorry. I'm a hugger. Discomfort and chafing from wetness-related friction can hit any time. Get relief and prevent it, too, with Gold Bond medicated foot powder for your feet and body powder for your, you know, whether you're working out or just holding down the couch, you're a guy. And unlike baby powders, Gold Bond's got the medicated formulas to fight itch, odor, and wetness. Plus, it's got that cooling kick that lets you know it's working wherever. Keep it cool with Gold Bond medicated foot and body powders. It's a guy thing. Use as directed. Geico says, let's make life simpler. Look, I'm all for modern conveniences. But ask yourself, do you really need a blender with 23 buttons just to chop an onion? At Geico, we think life should be simpler. So we make it super simple to save on car insurance. Just one click and you could be on your way to saving hundreds. Come on, people. Life doesn't have to be that complicated. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. We're talking hydrangeas, a whole lot of questions about what type, when to prune, what not to do, what to do, how to fertilize. Uh, so we, we're just kind of knocking off a few of them. We'll revisit hydrangeas throughout the season. A few things we want to talk about are just the massive amounts of varieties. We'll go back to the paniculata types, those old-fashioned uh, we've got a lot of varieties that are not old-fashioned now. Many, many customers come in and they ask, I want that big old-fashioned variety, and that's PG. PG hydrangeas have been around forever. But I do want to stress that there's a lot of varieties that do extremely well here in Maine. And let's talk a little bit about bloom time, because on the paniculata hydrangeas, there's one called quickfire. And it's exactly how it sounds. It blooms early, so you're in July. It's got big white panicle flowers, and then it goes to a fiery red as it ages. Really, really nice, interesting plant 
one of my favorites, good grower. And the nice part about this plant, too, is it doesn't flop like the old-fashioned ones. So it has a nice, erect, upright habit. Um, the flowers stay up above the foliage. Not probably great for drying, but, again, early blooming. S- most all of the new varieties are being hybridized to have a better upright habit to show the flowers up on top of the plant a lot of people on the old-fashioned ones because they do hang over so much they think they're messy you know oh man that plant's dying you know it just doesn't look right the flowers kind of flop and they all kind of bunch up at the outside if you're pruning your plant appropriately you shouldn't have as much flop but it's awfully tough with our heavy rain thunderstorms in late summer. You get that one big rainstorm and boom, there it goes. It goes flops right down and then you're finished for the season. And so some of these new varieties will kind of take some of that out of play. We've got one called Great Star, which is a beautiful upright panicle flower. White has little star shapes in the interior of the flower. A little more open blossom. And you can go to our website to look at pictures of all of these. EsterbrooksOnline.com And all of the different flower forms are are pictured there. And certainly if you see one that you like, don't hesitate to go online and look at a bunch of different photos. Because there's always uh, a whole host of different you know, looks and and, uh, angles and all of that fun stuff online. You just have to be careful Because online, a lot of times, the pictures are not described properly, meaning it might be one picture, and it's the wrong variety. So our website's a good way to at least get started, see what the form is. You know, limelight hydrangeas, another great one. It's got a lime color, fades to white, and then goes to a pink. So, so many varieties on on the website that, you know, you certainly can check out all the paniculata types. Then come into the nursery, and you can look at them in hand um, because a picture never ever ever does the work of your eyeball standing there in the nursery looking at the plant the shape of the plant the the, the nice red stem possibly quickfire has a nice red stem also so even when it's not in bloom the new growth has a red stem which is awfully nice to add a little contrast but let's get to blue hydrangeas um, for years we sold nico blue nico blue has been around forever and if you go to Cape Cod, Nico Blue is uh, uh, primarily what you see down there. You know, you see that great big, huge mop head hydrangea in pinks and blues. The one thing about mop head hydrangeas is you can, most of them you can change from all the way from pink to blue, just on the pH in the soil. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but let's talk varieties. So you've had a hydrangea for 20 years, a blue hydrangea or maybe it's pink, and you've never had success getting it to bloom. There's probably two reasons. One, you're a little too cold for the plant. Maybe you're a little more inland. Or number two, which I find all the time, is someone at Easter gave you a hydrangea one time. You know, those beautiful ones you see in the grocery store right now? They call them florist hydrangeas. And that's because they're supposed to be taken and put in the trash when you're done. A florist hydrangea, unfortunately, here in Maine, just it's hardy enough to grow, but it's never going to bloom. 
It's never going to bloom outside. So you plant it out and the thing grows and it's got beautiful big leaves and it gets nice and big. And, you know, you just keep saying, oh, my gosh, you know, why isn't this blooming? So you come in and you talk to us in the nursery and we say, well, what's the variety? And you go, I have no idea. The likelihood is it is a variety, which who knows? There's a million of them. It could even be Nico Blue. The nice part about Nico Blue is it's got that really big blue flower. And for years we sold it because folks wanted it. They, they, I'll give it a shot, you know. And and Nico Blue does do well right along the coast in, in specific areas. But now we sell Endless Summer. We sell Invincible Spirit, which Invincible Spirit is not a, not a macrophyll. It's an arborescence type. So we'll talk uh, uh, arborescence and macrophylla. But right now, macrophylla, we're selling mostly the Endless Summer series. Endless Summer is the original blue or pink mop head hydrangea. It's been hybridized at a Bailey's Nursery in Minnesota. I've been to the spot where they found the original plant. I saw where it was grown and where it was found. It was in an old test garden. And the reason it was found was the plant was blooming with old flowers and new flowers on it, meaning that it bloomed on new wood and old wood. Um, this is the problem with Nico Blue. Nico Blue and a lot of the macrophylla hydrangeas will only bloom on old wood. And that means that if the plant dies back to the ground each year, there's no flowers. So in the spring, when you see all those branches suckering up from the base, you go, wow, look, we're going to have all kinds of blossoms. But if they don't come off the old stems, you don't get any blossoms. So we've got a question from Judith in Yarmouth. Why can't I get my endless summer hydrangea to bloom? They get partial sun. I feed them quite appropriately organic fertilizer. I moved them three years ago from a sunny spot where they suffer daily intense afternoon heat. Why Why isn't your endless summer? Because all the literature says, oh, it blooms on new and old wood. Well, in Minnesota, there's a pretty good explanation why it does really well in Minnesota and blooms on that on that new wood. And it's, it's va- basically an environmental issue here. Here in Maine... We warm up very slow and steady. So, you know, we go 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, extremely moderate. You know, we don't get big temperature spikes. Minnesota goes from negative 20 to 70 degrees in in a very short period of time. Their summers heat up extremely quick. So when the lake temperatures and whatnot get up there, they hold a lot more temperature than we do off the ocean. So what happens is they push a lot more growth in their growing season than we do. So we need to combat that and find a way for in the summer to promote more growth earlier in the season. So I've been testing it out at my house, and for the last seven or eight years, um, I originally got an endless summer hydrangea from Bailey's Nursery when it had a number as a title. I don't remember what the number was, but they said, hey, try this new hydrangea. It's something that we think is going to be big, but try it. See if it blooms. See if it blooms on new and old wood. So the first couple of years, it was quite small and didn't do a lot. And then I started to get more and more and more flowers as the plant thrived. 
Endless summer hydrangea needs a fair amount of fertilizer here in Maine. But we're going to talk pruning first because everybody thinks, well, it blooms on new wood, so you cut it back. That's a big no-no. My rule of thumb on pruning on endless summer hydrangea is you do not prune the plant after September 15th, period, ever. Don't take any blossoms off. Don't take any flowers. Don't take any stems. Leave the plant. Okay, I don't want to wound the plant. Okay, what I've found is if you go in and you prune the plant back, the frost over the winter continually goes down the stems and kills the old stems. If you leave the plant up and you don't prune it and you don't wound the plant by pruning it, those old stems tend to do much better on the bottom foot of the plant. And that gets you a lot more flowers if you get wood coming off the old and the new growth. Secondly, I don't clean any of the leaves up. Okay, so the plant drops its leaves quite late. And, you know, every single year, you know, most people go in, they clean up, or they have their landscape contractor come in, and they clean up every single leaf around this plant. I leave all of mine. I don't touch it. I just let it kind of go dormant. All those leaves drop down into the center of the plant. And they're not really compact in the center of the plant. They're kind of in the upper foot of the growth, kind of nicely layered because they're nice big leaves. They dry and they kind of give some airspace, but they also help protect a little bit. So I found that kind of helped. The, the years which I cleaned the leaves out, the blossom was half of what I got the next year. The years I left the leaves in, the better the plant did. The other reason I don't want you to prune the branches off is I want to leave those, even if they do die back, I want to leave those in until mid-June the following year. So in the spring, you're going out there and you're cleaning up your yard and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this looks awful. There's stuff coming up from the base in April and May and it's June and I've got these dead twigs all over it. I like to leave them in there because they're stakes for the big flowers later. They hold the flowers upright on the plant. They don't flop as much. And, again, that bottom third of the plant that you think is dead, you go in and you prune them all the way back to the base. Well, a lot of times those buds are kind of dormant until, like, June. I mean, we're so cold in even May that a lot of those buds will sit dormant. We'll get branches coming out of the ground, but the bottom foot you still have active live buds. So leave those in till mid-June. I know it's it's a struggle for a lot of customers because they want that manicured look, but just think of the reward later on in July and August and September. Huge, huge rewards if you leave them in. So those are some helpful tips to get you to spring, okay? So once we get to spring, okay, it's April, and we're deciding do we want a blue flower or do we want a pink flower? Because we can change it every year if we want. So the year before, it was a pink flower, and we decided, you know, I'd really like blue. So we're going to put some acidifier. So it might be sulfur, um, garden sulfur. It might be aluminum sulfate. It might be uh, holytone, which is a fertilizer that has acidifier in it. If it was pink, we probably need to go with the sulfur or the um, aluminum sulfate. I like the garden sulfur. It's a lot more low and slow change, but you don't get the burn that you get from aluminum sulfate. Um, aluminum sulfate's fine. We've been using it for years, but if you put too much on, you can burn your plant. 
So we go ahead and put some of that around. The second thing we've got to do is to get this plant out of dormancy and get it kind of going, we need to fertilize it. We need to fertilize it aggressively. So we're going to pull out our holly tone, and we're going to fertilize in April. We're going to fertilize in May. We're going to fertilize in June. And we're going to fertilize in July. And then we're going to stop. After mid-July, I do not want you to fertilize this hydrangea again. And it goes back to what we talked about originally, is we don't want those stems too soft going into fall. We want them to harden up. We want the foliage to lighten up in the fall. We want the stems to stiffen up. We don't want to push a lot of growth in September, October, or November. So we want the plant to slow down. And by the time we get to mid-July, we're starting to see flower buds, and we're doing our last fertilization for the season. By doing all this fertilization, what we're doing is we're mimicking Minnesota, but we're doing it, you know, organically with organic fertilizer. We're doing it so that we're pushing the growth with the warm temperatures we have during the day. The only caution we always have is frost. April and May is frost months for us. And so you have to be cautious about that. So taking a blanket or something and throwing it over the foliage, when the foliage leaves get about a half an inch and have unfurled from the stems, if we get a late frost, you can frost your first set of flower buds. So taking a blanket or a towel or something and just throwing it over on really cold nights, we send out a frost alert to all our e-news customers. I would recommend everyone sign up for our e-news on our website. And what that does is if we think it's going to be cold enough for plant damage, we're going to send you an email that day. And we're going to say, cold temperatures expected, please cover your tender plants. This would be one of them. This would be one of those that I, I would go out and cover. Big recommendation, that way you don't get frosted. Last year, my hydrangea got hammered. Absolutely frosted from tip to top, the whole nine yards. So then I had to go in and be a little bit more protective. I had to fertilize a little bit more to push it out of dormancy. But I got 80 flowers on mine last year. So... It's important that you follow the guidelines. These are not guidelines that have come from Bailey's Nursery. These are guidelines that between me and all my nursery folks that I have connections with here in the state of Maine, we've been discussing this problem because we all have the same issues. This is the best thing that I've come up with to try to be tried and true. If you cut your hydrangea back in the fall, because let's face it, it's February, and you might have cut it back last September or October, it's not going to kill a plant. It'll come back up. You may have good success blooming also, but try some of these things. I think you'll have a, a lot better success. Planting blue hydrangeas in part shade is the best scenario, not full shade, not hot sun. Hot sun, they wilt all summer. You know, it'll beat up your blossoms. It's really tough unless you have a nice moist soil something that you can keep moist all the time and then a lot of times you'll see the blue hydrangeas you've watered and watered and watered them and they're still wilting and it doesn't matter what you do in that hot sun the big leaf cannot transpire enough moisture to stay upright and as soon as the sun starts to go down the leaves come right back up and everything looks fine so judith i hope that helps answer your question about endless summer hydrangeas and how to get them to bloom i think it's a little bit of local knowledge start treating them appropriately that way some of our information on our website we have some care information also for endless summers but certainly come in talk to us in the nursery the other 
macrophylla hydrangea that I really like is a lace cap called Twist and Shout. Twist and Shout is one that's come on the market. It's a lace cap, so it's a more open variety. Typically, you find it a lot of times in pink or blue. But what I will say about Twist and Shout is it is a bloomer through and through. If you want an even more reliable bloomer than in the summer, I would say Twist and Shout is is a really nice variety to look at. It doesn't have the big mop head, um, but really, really nice, you know, fan-shaped flower and what I have seen is from the youngest plant to the oldest plant we can buy, it has flowers on it very consistently on new and old wood. It sets two or three sets of blossoms throughout the summer, and it doesn't seem like we have to fertilize it as much. Um, so really important to go ahead and try a couple of these out. There's many other varieties on the market, and I'm not saying that they're not good varieties. I have not had a lot of experience with some of the other varieties as far as the new reblooming types. We've tried some with some success, but Endless Summer seems to be the one in that series of plants. Um, Blushing Bride is another one in their series. I do find that Blushing Bride does not bloom as well as the other two. doesn't seem to matter what I do to it. doesn't seem to, you know, help. If you like a pink or a white mop head, and you want some a hydrangea that's going to really look good and bloom year in and year out, look at the arborescence hydrangeas. Annabelle, Invincible Spirit, uh, Incredible. Those are arborescence hydrangeas. And the nice part about arborescence hydrangeas is I use these all the time in areas where there's heavy snow load because they can you can act just like a perennial. You can mow them over with the lawnmower in the fall, right down to six inches or four inches, and they'll grow right back to four feet and bloom every year. So the arborescence hydrangeas are a really great way for here in Maine to put plants in areas where you've got snow load, where you have to roof rake, or you've got areas where the nice gentleman who plows your driveway likes to plow all that snow in one area. It's a good plant, and I would recommend those for those areas, but they reliably bloom every year. And uh, you get that big mop head, but we can't get blue in the arborescent hydrangeas. Someday we may. Uh, certainly those hybridizers are working hard out there. They've come, and they've got the pink now. There's a few different pinks on the market, but that's going to be the tried and true. That's going to bloom and have that big mop head. But endless summer, if you follow what I've talked about today, hopefully you have a little more success. I'd love to hear any feedback or tricks that you have with specific plants. It's always good for us to know. So don't hesitate to let us know how you treat certain plants because it may help us come to a conclusion on how to change and and recommend. Uh, Maine's a different world. We need to treat plants differently. And hopefully we've been able to get you uh, some success in your blue hydrangeas. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more of The Joy of Gardening from Estbrooks on News Talk WLOB. Hey, Mom. I'm really star- starving for a snack. Yeah, I was thinking maybe some, some pepperoni breadsticks. How did you know I love pepperoni? Wait, are you able to, to- read your mind? Of course, I'm a mom. So, you know about the sea I got in geography? I do now. 
It's the recipe that's so easy, it's not a recipe. It's a recipe-easy, like Hormel pepperoni baked on top of breadsticks. Find more tasty ideas at recipeasy.com. Hormel, life better served. Hi, this is Peter Boldick at Harvest Hill Farms. For those folks who are looking for healthy eating alternatives, we have been raising natural range-fed beef and poultry right here in the great state of Maine for over 15 years. Let us introduce you to our Never Ever program. Our animals are never ever introduced to growth hormones or antibiotics, only raised as nature intended. We are conveniently located on Route 26 in Mechanic Falls. To find out more, call us at 998-5485 or go to our website, harvesthillfarms.com. That's harvesthillfarms.com. Chapstick asks, where do lost chapsticks go? Hi, I'm Rick, and I lose my cherry chapstick a lot. The first 26 times I lost it, I found it laid in my back right pocket. And I'm a lefty, but this time, it's gone, man. And my chapstick has always been there for me. Like that one crazy cold winter, chapstick was my best friend. So if you see it, wait, is this it? Do you know where your lost chapstick is? Have your say at Facebook.com slash chapstick. And dry new chapstick lip shield 365 with SPF 50 for all season protection. Ultra moisturizing for softer, healthier lips. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're talking hydrangeas today. We're talking pruning. It's kind of all starting to come together. Things are kind of blurring here on the show just because we're talking pruning, which leads into hydrangeas. Next thing I want to talk about, Valentine's Day. Such a great day for us in the plant industry. Unfortunately, Estabrooks, we're not open. (laughs) Imagine that. Uh, we don't do cut flowers at Estabrooks, but um, wanted to let you know we're going to be open March 2nd. Saturday, March 2nd will be our first day in the Yarmouth store, so I want to invite you in to come see us. Uh, but I wanted to talk about Valentine's Day because I think it's really important that we support our local florists. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, there's so many websites out there to, to order flowers on. But I'm going to recommend that you go to each individual florist's website and do the orders directly through them. We need to support our local florists. They're a dying breed, you know, and there's so many good people working in these florists. They're talented, you know, they work extremely hard. And if we can support our local businesses, it's always a good thing. And I don't care what community you're in. There's always a good florist close by. They deliver here, there, everywhere now. But I really want to make sure that you contact them directly, not through some other website. You know, so visit some of your local florists. I would also recommend get in there early and do your orders. There's nothing that helps these folks out more than getting the orders booked as early as possible. You can imagine all of these orders that have to be together they have to be set up for delivery they have to get out the door they have to order the flowers from all over the world these flowers come from so it's really important that you do some forethought and go ahead and book them as early as possible so if you're listening to the show today call your local florist now Don't wait until Valentine's Day and expect that you're going to get an order out the door. I'm sure they're going to fill it. I'm sure they'll make it happen. But let's help them out. Let's go ahead and get those orders placed with your local florist as early as possible. We've got so many good ones here in the greater Portland area, all across the state. If you're not sure 
who to book your flowers with, shoot me an email. I'll give you some suggestions. You know, certainly that's not a problem. We work with so many different florists. We don't do cut flowers, but I want to make sure the local growers um, and florists here uh, thrive as much as possible. It's very important to me that the industry is very strong here in the state of Maine. So just wanted to give a little bit of uh, airtime and uh, make sure that you, you support your local business. Uh, what we're going to talk about for the last few minutes here of our show is upcoming events. You know, February is kind of one of those months where we're starting to think gardening. You know, the gardening catalogs are coming out. The seed catalogs are out. You you, you got them in maybe January or late fall. You set them on the table and you, you forgot about them. So grab all that stuff, pull it out. But we've got a bunch of different things that are coming up that I want to let you know. Um, first, we've got the main home remodeling and garden show. It's a great trade show for everything you might want to do, do it yourself. You know, and many, many services at the show also, but I'm going to be speaking on Sunday the 17th at 1.45. I'm going to be talking about veggie gardening made easy. So we're going to talk about how do you get started vegetable garden? How, what are some of the things you can avoid, some of the problems? I'll be there to question and answer if you've started a vegetable garden and you just aren't having success. Our biggest thing in our industry right now is we need to make sure gardeners are successful. And vegetable gardening is easy and it's very tough. There's no in-between. You're either really successful or you're not. And Mother Nature doesn't play nice. So please come visit me. That's again on the 17th at the Main Home Remodeling and Garden Show at the Civic Center at 1.45 on Sunday. And uh, we're going to talk veggies. So all kinds of, kinds of t- tips, topics, you know. But come see me. We can talk in person after if you like, or just answer, ask some questions during the talk. Also, we're going to be opening up for the season in Yarmouth, March 2nd. Very exciting. You know, here we are just a couple weeks away. We've been very busy in the greenhouse. Everything from perennials to hanging baskets, pansies, primrose are all started. They won't all be ready for you on March 2nd. We'll be having all kinds of spring flowering stuff coming in for that, obviously. But February and March is one of those months where, what do I do fun and get out of the house? So early March, come visit us at the garden center. Just come in and walk through the garden. Just get into the garden center and get into the greenhouse. It's warm. It smells good. You know, on that cold, cold day when the sun's out, 75 degrees in the greenhouse it's just like a tropical oasis just come take 20 minutes even if you don't buy anything that's fine but it'll give you a breath of spring it'll get you kind of energized it'll get you going and that'll be right before the portland flower show we're not going to have a garden this year at the flower show but we are doing a display at the main entrance this year We've got a whole new line of plants called Hort Couture that we've been growing for a couple months now. And um, it's everything from tropicals to hanging baskets to funky and odd things. We've got a new primrose that we'll be selling also. Um, and the Portland Flower Show, I don't if you haven't been there, it's a great show. It's one that will get you energized. You'll see a whole bunch of different things, new varieties. But we're going to be promoting this Hort Couture line. 
and this new primrose, blue zebra it's called. It's a blue flower with a veination in the center, a nice yellow center to the flower, really cool primrose, um, but also tropicals, different things that main gardeners usually don't use. So going to be important for you to come to the Portland Flower Show. It's March 6th to the 10th. The 6th is a gala that Wednesday night. It's, you know, food and drinks and all kinds of fun stuff. It's a great way to see the show if you don't want a huge crowd. A little more expensive, but worth it. Um, It's also the night where we give out all the awards and everything like that. So that's a nice night to come. couple things. It's always good to visit the show the last two hours of the day. There's no one there, folks. So come Thursday night. Come Friday night. Come see the show for a couple hours. Because there's less of less crowds, you've got more time with the folks who in their displays. You've also got a great scenario. You go to the show, and then you go out in the old port afterwards and have something to eat. So you make an evening out of it. Um, instead of taking up your whole Saturday or your whole Sunday, and fighting the crowds come the last couple hours on Thursday or Friday. It's always a slow time. It's a time where I enjoy working the show the most due to the fact that I get to talk to people. There's not the masses of people. So that's the upcoming news and events. It's been a great show today. We're going to go ahead and wrap up at this point. Um, I'd like to thank you for listening. We are... Just getting started with the show, again, if you have questions, please don't hesitate to visit our website, estherbrooksonline.com backslash radio. Go ahead and post your questions there. So get out there and have fun. Enjoy your garden. Tune in every week from 7 to 8 a.m. at WLOB 1310 a.m. and WLOBradio.com. To pick up the podcast, visit us at estherbrooksonline.com. And uh, enjoy your week. We hope to see you next week.